0: Glad you're here. Are you ready to be confused? I'm basically in a perpetual state of confusion, and this movie just has never really helped that. In case you're just hopping in, welcome to season seven of the podcast in a conversation on summer blockbusters. This one is different. Very few explosions. There are a few, if that's your thing, but very few. And they're not explosions for like the sake of explosions. They're not Michael Bay explosions. They actually happen to move the plot along a little bit. There's no scantily clad women who are damsels in distress. We've just got, it's a thinking man's movie. That's what we're doing. We're thinking today. We're thinking with Christopher Nolan's Inception. So Christopher Nolan was both the writer and director, which is basically his MO: Memento, Batman Begins, The Prestige, The Dark Knight, The Dark Knight Rises, Interstellar, Dunkirk, Tenet. He's got a pretty impressive filmography and is renowned in the business for being a non-linear thinking man and woman storyteller, cerebral storytelling, if you will. He's British, and I'm realizing now I don't know if I knew he was British. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen him talk. In, a, in an interview or I haven't listened to any of the commentaries, I'm going to have to go back and do that. But he didn't study film in college. He was an English literature major at the University College London, which I would assume is one of the reasons he actually really excels at storytelling. After school, he worked as a script reader and camera operator for corporate and industrial films. I I like to imagine him just making like how-to tutorials, (laughs) customer service training. He had a bit of a hard time getting his career off the ground until his first film, Following, which came out in 1998. They said that he was trying to make it on the cheap um, and it got attention and it actually afforded Nolan the opportunity and means to make Memento in 2000. And then the rest is kind of history. If you haven't seen Memento either, that's another one. Uh, all of his movies that you you really have to pay attention. I I was going back for our next movie, uh, The Dark Knight Rises. We're going to talk about that in the next episode. And I realized that I had to watch all of the movies to actually figure out what was going on because it had been a while since I've seen it. Because it's it's a deep storytelling. It's not surface level. There's kind of a lot going on underneath the surface. Inception was released on July sixteenth, 2020. It's a sci-fi action film that visually is unlike anything I have ever seen even to this day really and to think that this was released between the dark Knight and the dark Knight rises like where did he have time <laughs> to do this and i'm sure that the production of it didn't actually fall during those periods but he was very busy for several years right in a row and that have to be exhausting how mentally you can keep yourself your head in the game that long I just really don't understand how you could have that many projects in the fire at the same time. It has a pretty stellar cast. Leonardo DiCaprio, he's kind of our leading man here. Ken Watanabe, gotta love Ken Watanabe. Marion Cotillard, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Tom Hardy, Elliot Page, Killian Murphy, Tom Berenger, and Michael Caine. Several faces that you see in a lot of Christopher Nolan's films. I think it's interesting, too, when directors kind of find the actors that they really like working with almost like muses you think of Tarantino with Samuel L Jackson and Uma Thurman how she kind of pops up in his stuff um Leonardo DiCaprio with Martin Scorsese it's it's interesting when they find someone that they think really speaks to their storytelling so what else came out that summer it was it was an interesting summer uh it saw rele- the release of Get Him to the Greek which I've never really watched Killers with Ashton Kutcher and Katherine Heigl, which I did watch and it was horrible. The A-Team with Bradley Cooper. The Karate Kid with Jaden Smith. Winner's Bone, which really put Jennifer Lawrence on the Hollywood map. Toy Story 3. Night and Day, which I love that movie. Tom Cruise and Cameron Diaz. And we will one day talk about that movie because I need to share that love with you. The Twilight Saga Eclipse... No comment there. Despicable Me, the first one. Disney's The Sorcerer's Apprentice, which I thought was quite entertaining. Nicolas Cage kind of reined it in a little bit on that one. And Flipped, a very heartfelt Rob Reiner entry. If you like Rob Reiner and you haven't seen Flipped, I highly recommend it. A few decent movies in the lineup, but nothing at all like what Christopher Nolan was creating. Kind of two different leagues they're playing in inception earned well over 292 million dollars domestically and 825 million dollars worldwide at the box office easily earning back its budget of 160 million dollars i kind of wonder how many (laughs) tickets were sold people had to go back and see it again because they had no idea what was happening the first time around that was me. That was me. And I remember during rewatches, um, once it was out on DVD and Blu-ray, I remember my younger brother and I sitting down. Nathan and I sat down, and we would pause it and talk about it as it was happening, trying to really figure out what was happening. As for a movie summary, this is the part I've kind of been dreading a little bit. Um, I'm going to do my best. Full disclosure, I'm not entirely sure I understand, again, what was actually happening. But the basic gist is that you have got this guy named Cobb. Who's played by DiCaprio? He's an extractor. He can enter people's dreams using technology and drugs to steal corporate secrets for the highest bidder. He's got a buddy, Arthur, who's played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who helps him out. Come to find out that Cobb is trying to kind of buy his way back home of sorts. For some reason, which we come to find out later, he's accused of killing his wife. He's not allowed to go back home. There's a warrant out for his arrest. His wife's name was Maul. We'll get to her more in a second. So Cobb and Arthur get hired by this guy named Sato, who's played by the stunning Ken Watanabe, to not steal secrets, but to actually implant an idea into the mind of a guy named Robert, played by Killian Murphy, the one and only Tommy Shelby from Peaky Blinders. So Robert's father was Sato's main competitor, and now that he's dead, Robert's father, not Sato, Sato wants Robert to dissolve the company. So he wants to implant that idea into Robert's Robert's head to dissolve the company so that that competition is gone. So Cobb and Arthur start to kind of put together their dream team. They get Ariadne, who's played by Elliot Page, and she's going to be the architect of the dream. She'll kind of design the world, basically. There's a guy named Eames who's played by Tom Hardy. Gotta love Tom Hardy. He's the forger. So once in the dream, he can almost take on different personas as needed. And then there's a chemist named Yusuf that's supposed to kind of keep them under until it's time to wake up. So he's giving them the drugs that allow them to go deeper into a dream than you would normally go. The plan is to go into this three-layered shared dream and they have to go deeper than normal to implant the idea but all doesn't go as planned because of Cobb's subconscious (laughs) this is the part that gets confusing but the subconscious attacks the dreamers because in the back of your mind your brain knows something isn't right kind of knows you're being messed with so Cobb's subconscious is led by his late wife Mal Many years before Cobb and Maul accidentally entered what they refer to as limbo it's a world of infinite subconscious where the brain can't tell what is real and what is a dream, and they got stuck there and eventually, Cobb lived for like fifty years, not like real years they're just sleeping on their floor, but in their minds, it's like fifty years and eventually Cobb he wants out he's ready to go back home but Maul can kind of becomes convinced that the dream was real and the real world was a dream. So they do get out, but she is convinced that they are, that they are now in the dream, whereas before they were in reality. So she ends up committing suicide, convinced that she was going to wake back up. Um, Because once you're in a dream, if you're killed in the dream, you wake up to reality, but she was actually in reality. And so she is dead. So now, Mal haunts Cobb and kind of wreaks havoc on the m- mission not real Mal, but this, his guilt of her so during the implanting Sato dies and then because they're so far into the dream he is now in limbo <laughs> I think um so Cobb has to go back to Limbo to save him. He promises him, I'm going to find you. I'm going to save you. So in the idea, in the end, the idea is implanted into Robert's brain and Sato's consciousness is saved uh, but then we're left with this indecisive ending, which I hate. Indecisive endings so much. Uh, just don't get me started on the book *Life of Pi*, because it brings it brings me actual physical agony. <laughs> I cannot stand it. Uh, don't tell me it was just a dream. I don't like that. Uh, but we're we're left with wondering whether or not Cobb is we're in Cobb's sub- subconscious or we're in the real world. I think. Um, so when I saw this movie, I'm sitting in the theater. I went with my best friend, Lindsay. She was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago and we're watching this and I kept leaning over to her and whispering, do you know what's happening? Do you know what's happening? She's like, no, I don't. But you know, it's intense and you know that there's a timer, like, they they have a set amount of time, and they're running out of time. And I remember sitting on the edge of my seat going, I don't know what's happening, but they need to do it faster. Whatever they're doing, they need to do it faster. <laughs> the movie is still beautiful and complicated. The visuals are stunning. Ariadne's first visit into a shared dream with Cobb. They're in Paris, and the way um, she starts to fold reality, the dream um, dimensions, it's hard to, like, all of a sudden, the skyscrapers are on the ceiling. I don't know how to explain it, but it's beautiful. Arthur's explanation of the Penrose steps, this infinite staircase. Uh, there's a train barreling down the street as their journey begins, and then Arthur's kind of topsy turvy fight in the second level where he's he's spinning and he's floating through air, and you're like, hi, hey, this is cool. I don't understand what they're doing, but this is cool. The visuals themselves are worth the watch, and you've got to love a plot that makes you think. I remember the first several times I watched the film, I would have these brief like aha moments when I could understand. I was like, oh, yes, I get it. I get it. And then it would all kind of fall apart. I still have those moments, but I I think I did pretty good on the summary. If I totally messed it up, you're welcome to tell me kindly. But this leads to the main event. Would I survive Inception? It's very unlikely. For a couple reasons. One, I am an insomniac. Sleeping is definitely not my superpower. I do okay with anesthesia, uh, but I don't dream when put under. So I feel like it would take a lethal amount of chemicals from Yusuf to get me in the dreams with everyone. Uh, Two, I also start to panic when there's a countdown. Once they enter the shared dream and attempt to implant the idea in Robert's brain, they're on the clock. They only have a set amount of time, as long as the drugs will last within the movie, uh, within the dream. And so throughout the entire shared dream, they are running for their lives, and And they're constantly being reminded about how much time they have. So in the dream, um, there's something known as the kick. And so Yusef, who's in that first level of the dream, he's going to start playing music that's going to reach Arthur, who was left in the second layer of the dream, who will then push that music on to the third layer to let everybody know that the kick is going to happen. And the kick is like that feeling when you're just about to fall asleep and then your leg jerks. It's what wakes them up. And so you know throughout each of these layers and how everybody then gets separated that they've all kind of got to work together and they and are they going to do it in time any game that includes a sand timer turns me into a spaz I don't think I would be able to handle that type of pressure when my brain function was on the line I I don't think I'd be a good teammate and finally I would have no idea what was going on they would probably have to explain the plan and my responsibility during the plan to me constantly until they'd just be like, you know what, why don't you just wait here, we'll come back for you in the Slayer of the dream, you're driving us crazy. But why shouldn't the characters have survived either? They seem much smarter than me. I actually don't find it too hard to believe that they lived, uh, because it is all in the brain, um... There was no actual threat to their persons except for their consciousness, which maybe is worse. Plus, they have Tom Hardy helping them out, and that man is a beast, and I think I would trust him with my life, except as Bane, but we'll talk about that in the next episode. And you know the part I find the most difficult to believe, though? Shared dreams. You know what? Maybe. Maybe technology is magnificent and science is magical. I can imagine a day in which we can walk around in someone else's dream. What I don't believe is Leonardo DiCaprio as a father. <laughs> So he's unable to get back to his children, I'm assuming in the U.S., wherever they're at. And the whole point that he wanted out of limbo was he wanted to get back to his kids. He was missing his kids, and then he was trying to convince Mal that whole time that these are your real kids, they're not your dream kids. I just don't buy him as a father. He doesn't really give off a paternal instinct vibe. He seems too selfish Cobb seems too selfish i mean he and mal did the deep dive that led them getting stuck in limbo in the first place place, despite the fact that they had kids at home they supposedly left like why would you mess with that why would you chance that I, i i don't know and it was a chance that actually came back to bite him in the butt so it didn't work out for him in the end A few interesting tidbits, in an effort to combat confusion, television broadcasts in Japan include text in the upper left-hand corner of the screen to remind viewers in which level of the dream a specific scene takes place. I love that. Why didn't they do that in the film? In an interview with Entertainment Weekly, writer, producer, and director Christopher Nolan explained that he based roles of the Inception team similar to roles that are used in filmmaking. So Cobb is the director. Arthur is the producer, Ariadne is the production designer, Eames is the actor, Sato is the studio, and Fisher uh, is the audience. And, ri- and Fisher is Robert, um, who's getting the idea implanted into his brain. In trying to write a team-based creative process, I wrote the one I know, Nolan said. And in spite of the mo- this movie's extensive surreal effects sequences, the majority of visual effects throughout the movie, such as the Penrose Stairs... so. Arthur is trying to explain to Ariadne about like infinite loops. So he's walking up the staircase that just never ends. Rotating the rotating hallway, the mountain avalanche and zero gravity sequences were created through practical methods, not through the use of computer graphics imagery. This movie only has around 500 visual effects shots as opposed to most other visual effects epics, which kind of upwards of like 2000 visual effect shots so that once you watch this and you have that little tidbit in your brain, you're just going to be wow. Like, Whoa, that is cool. <laughs> At least that's, that's how I was. If you take the first letter, I don't know if this is true. I, this one, I don't know if it's true. I like it though. So I'm sharing it. If you take the first letters of the main characters names, so you've got D for Dom Cobb, R for Robert, E for Eames, a for Arthur, M for Mal, and S for Sato, they spell dreams. If you add Peter, Ariadne, and Yusuf, the whole thing together makes dreams pay, which is what they do for a mind thief. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to believe that's true, because that's pretty cool. And finally, this was the last movie shot on film to win an Academy Award for Best Cinematography. All of the winners since were shot digitally until 2016, when La La Land broke the streak. But that... This is it for today? We'll be back with Christopher Nolan next episode for a discussion on The Dark Knight Rises and how I think Bane is one of the scariest villains in all of cinema. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. Really, it is so appreciated. If you haven't already, I hope you subscribe so that we can keep going on this journey together. And if you've got the time, it would be awesome if you could rate and review so that other individuals who like random conversations about pop culture with someone who really doesn't know what they're talking about but has a great time doing doing it, Well, they can join in on the fun as well. Or if you want to share the podcast, that would be awesome, too. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at, at GnomeGirlM, and on Facebook is a bit of fun with Emily. Go have yourself a bit of fun today, and I will see you next time.